Hey everybody, it's Brother Mike. Thank you so much for taking time to listen to the Sunday night replay. We hope that the message will be a blessing to you and that God will speak to your heart through his word. Jonah chapter number four tonight. Jonah chapter number four. And I want you to find your place there in the word of God. And last week we started on Sunday night talking about our hot button. We're talking about dealing with our hot button. We talked about David and Saul last week. When you are hated without a cause, we all can agree somewhere along the way there have been times when we have been hated and we didn't even know why they didn't even like us. Can I get a witness right there? All right, that pertained to three of us. All right, the rest of us, we knew why they didn't like us. Tonight I want to talk about disarming your hot button And I want to look at Jonah chapter number 4 tonight. Jonah chapter number 4. And you find your place there in the Word of God. Stand up with me. If you haven't found it by now, it's okay. Your neighbor hasn't found it either. And just pretend that you found it and you can just look a little smarter than them tonight. But notice what the Bible says here in Jonah chapter number 4, verse number 1. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before unto Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and great kindness, and repentest thee of the evil. Therefore now, O Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And notice the question that the Lord asked Jonah. Then said the Lord, Doest thou well to be what? Angry. Angry. Let's ponder that question tonight. Doest thou well to be what? Angry. You may be seated. You cannot speak on the subject of anger without mentioning Jonah somewhere along the way. We know the story. If you were in church longer than two weeks, you know the story of Jonah being swallowed by the well. You say, preacher, was Jonah swallowed by a well? Yes, Jonah was swallowed by a well because the Bible said Jonah was swallowed by a well. And Jesus said that Jonah was swallowed by a well. So we know that Jonah was swallowed by a well. And when you come to this passage of Scripture, you know the story. God told Jonah, he said, I want you to go to Nineveh and preach against that city. You know the story that Jonah made up his mind. He's not going to Nineveh. He's going to Tarshish. He's going to go as far away from Nineveh as he can. Now, when you're sitting there and Miss Debbie is putting that flannel graph up and telling you the story of Jonah, sometimes you may not understand why would Jonah have such a hatred towards the people of Nineveh that he would not even want to go tell them about God. There's got to be some animosity somewhere in a person's heart when you would not want to share with them the marvelous grace of God. Now, you have to go back to the Assyrian people because Nineveh was the capital city of the Assyrian Empire. The people of Nineveh, the Assyrians, were vile and they were violent people. In fact, it was the Assyrians who came into Jonah's 
hometown and took people captive. And they would come in and take people captive, and guess what they did with the people that resisted? They would pile up their heads by the side of the gate to show you that the power of the Assyrians was greater than the city that they went and conquered. They were very violent people. So to Jonah, they were the enemy. So basically, God comes to Jonah and says, Jonah, I want you to go into hostile territory, people that you do not like, and I want you to preach for me. And so the book of Jonah is this prophet Jonah in chapter number one who runs from God. In chapter number two, he runs to God. Chapter number three, he runs for God. And in chapter number four, Jonah runs into God. Amen. He is mad and is angry. Now notice what takes place. We know Jonah's been in that belly of the fish for three days, three nights. He gets up, goes down to Nineveh, preaches to it, and the whole city gets saved. Now this is what you would think chapter number four ought to take off. And Jonah is high-fiving everybody saying, praise God, what a wonderful revival. Not Jonah. Jonah goes outside the city of Nineveh. Now think about this. Jonah goes into Nineveh and preaches basically an eight-word message. I mean, basically he is telling them, hey, in 40 days, Nineveh is going to be destroyed. Can you imagine the power of God where a man preaches eight words and a whole city gets saved? You would think, man, this guy would be on fire for God. It would be wonderful. Heaven come down, glory fill us. Not Jonah. Jonah goes outside the city, sits down and pouts, and is mad that the city got right with God. I know people at church like that. It is the bless me if you can crowd. And when God moves in the service, they get mad because it went into overtime a little bit. But yet they'll go out to a ball game, and, and if it goes into extra innings, man, they're ready to stay as long as possible to watch somebody win a ball game. But yet when God is starting to move among his people, I can't believe they went extra. I can't believe that invitation went as long as it did. And here is Jonah sitting outside the gate of Nineveh, and he's mad and he's angry. And God asked him a question. Hey, Jonah, doest thou well to be angry? And God deals with his hot button. Let us talk about how God disarmed Jonah's hot button as we look at this tonight. Number one, let's talk about the danger of our hot button. How many of us have a hot button? If you don't raise your hand, we're going to talk to people in your family. <laughs> we all have a hot button. <laughs> Terry back there, praise the Lord. He's going to to... Terry, is that about you or is that about Alma? I don't know, but we'll talk about that afterwards. <laughs> the danger of our hot button. Number one, here's some signs that our hot button has been pushed. Look at there. When our hot button is pushed, number one, we rationalize our anger. Look at Jonah chapter number four, verse number two. And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was thus not my saying when I was yet in my country? Notice this next word, therefore, therefore. Because God didn't do what Jonah wanted done. Because God was not doing that which Jonah had predicted. 
He feels like he is justified to be angry. He feels like he has a right to be angry. Notice that word, therefore. Oh, here's a great little quote. We will use an outcome that we do not like to justify something we should not have done. We will use an outcome that we do not like to justify something that we should not have done. That's found in that word, therefore. God, I'm telling you why I'm mad, because therefore you didn't do this, so here's why I'm mad. I'm justifying my anger. I know it's not right, but I just want to let you know I have rationalized it in my pea brain, and it's okay. And have we not done the same thing when we get angry? And we allow that rage to turn over into sin, and it's not a righteous indignation. It's just because that we're just mad that the ball didn't bounce our way, and then all of a sudden we're ready to rationalize it. And we'll use that little therefore in our own lives, and we start rationalizing the, the outcome that we try to justify ourselves to. So we try to rationalize our anger. Then notice number two, we try to analyze the Almighty. Look what he says here in verse number two. This is amazing. He prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O God, was this not my saying? Underline that word, my saying. Look at this. When I was yet in my country. Look what he says here. For I, I knew, I knew that thou art a gracious God. Merciful. Listen to this. Here's a guy mad and this is what he's telling the Lord. I knew it. I knew you were going to spare me because you're gracious. You're merciful. You're slow to anger. You have a great kindness. I knew you were going to do this. Can you see Jonah sitting outside saying this to God? He's pitching a fit. He says, I knew this was going to happen. I could already script it out because you're gracious. You're slow to anger. You're great kindness. That's why they're going to be spared. Boy, you ever seen people like that? They've already doomed themselves before they get started. You know. You go down to the DMV line and there's 155 different people out there in front of you. I knew it was going to be like this at the DMV. You go to food line and there's two lines that are open. And you get the wrong. I knew I was going to get the wrong one. And you get mad over the fact because you knew what was going to happen. Hey, can I get a witness? Are we, are we not like Jonah here sometimes? Huh? And here he sits here and he's mad and angry because God is gracious and God is merciful and God is slow to anger and God is of great kindness. And how many times we find ourselves just like Jonah pitching the same fit. For I knew it was going to play out like this. I knew you were going to work like this, Lord, because of your mercy, because of your grace, because you're slow to anger. I just knew that's what you were going to do. I mean, here he is, he's rationalized his anger, and now he's trying to analyze the Almighty. And then notice number three, he vocalizes his animosity. It's amazing to me that Jonah hinges his happiness on something that cannot change and shouldn't change. He's sitting outside Nineveh wanting God to burn everyone and everything up. Here's a man that is so angry with these folks that he would rather for God to send fire in judgment and sit there and watch and gets all tore up 
that God spared people. You say, preacher, listen, and this man was a prophet. This man heard the voice of God. This man got to witness one of the greatest revivals that have ever taken place. And yet, he sits outside in a rage on the inside because he's mad at God and his mercy toward them. You talking about somebody with a hot button that needed some help? How many of you know that when we lose our burden for souls and we'd rather for people to burn than to care for their soul, God needs to do something in our heart. When we're more interested in our little world and our gourds and all the stuff in Jonah's life in chapter number 4 and we've lost sight of the souls of men, God do a work on my hot button. God, do a work in my life if I don't see that there is a people and there is a passion for those souls. If I've lost my tears somewhere along the way, oh God, deal with the hot button issue in my life. God, if I've lost my tenderness somewhere along the way, God, deal with the hot button in my life. God, if I've lost that tenacity for you somewhere along the way, God, deal with the hot button in my life. I promise you, when God deals with the hot buttons in our life, we get our tears back. We get our tenderness back. We get our tenacity back when God will do something on the hot button of our life. And I really feel like some people lose that burden for souls because they're dealing with anger in their life that hasn't been dealt with. They try to cover it up. They try to hide it. But down deep in their heart, they're dealing with bitterness. They're dealing with anger. They're dealing with grudge towards a people that we're dealing with. God deal with our hot button. How did God deal with Jonah's hot button? Let me give you four things real quickly, and we'll go get us something to eat. Number one, the disarming of the hot button. How did God deal with it? How does it deal with it in heart? Number one, he asked him this question, doest thou well to be angry? So when I'm dealing with the hot button issue in my life, I need to do a couple things. Number one, stop and think about your fruitfulness. Think about this for a moment. God asked Jonah a question. Jonah? Doest thou well to be angry? Here, let's put it down here in Enochville talk. Hey, Jonah, has being angry made things better for you? Hey, Jonah, you being angry at the people of Nineveh, how's that working for you? Has it made you more fruitful? Has your fruitfulness been up or has your fruitfulness been down? Since that anger has been ruling your life. See, anger will not let you be fruitful. I'm going to back up and say that again. Because do you notice the question that God asked him? Doest thou, here's the word, well. How's it working for you? How's your fruitfulness? You got your grudge? You're dealing with the issue? But how's your fruitfulness for Christ? 
See, you can't have the fruit of the spirit of love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against there, such there is no law, and harbor a heart full of anger. Listen, that does not coincide at the same time. Either I'm going to have the fruit of the spirit or I can have my anger. And when I choose I want my anger, I cannot be fruitful for Christ. So i got to ask myself a question. How's that working for me? Am I being productive for Christ while I am pouting in my spirit? Am I being productive for my Savior while I am harboring that grudge? And if we got real honest, we'd have to give the one-word answer, no. Because I'm not being fruitful when I'm harboring the anger in my heart. So how is God disarming Jonah's hot button? Hey, Jonah, let's stop for a moment. I know you're in a rage, but how's your fruitfulness? Doest thou well? Hmm? Dr. Phil used to say it like this. How's that working for you? And you see that Christian that, listen, I've been in church long enough to realize we know how to put the front on on Sunday and we know how to take it off on Monday. We know how to smile and sing, I'll fly away. And we know how to take that off. And <laughs> One day, Alice, pow, right in the kisser. Y'all know. Huh? And sometimes God has to stop us and say, <clears throat> how's your fruitfulness? Are you being productive for me today? Is that fruit of the Spirit being evident in your life while you're harboring that grudge? And I promise you, if we'll get honest, we'd have to say, mm-mm. And what's God doing? He's trying to disarm your hot button. So we stop and we think about our fruitfulness. Notice number two. Not only our fruitfulness, but number two, think about God's faithfulness. Look at verse number eight. Look at this. And it came to pass when the sun did arise that God had prepared a vehement east wind that the sun beat upon the head of Jonah. And then notice what it says here. And he fainted and wished himself to die and said, Is it not better for me to die than to live? And look at verse number nine. God said to Jonah, Doest thou well to be angry for the gourd? And he said, I do well to be angry. Think about this. <laughs> I do well to be angry, even unto what? Death. So not only think about your fruitfulness, God's going to stop him and think about God's faithfulness. Uh, is it right for you to be angry, Jonah? Jonah, do you really have a right to be angry? Because, Jonah, let's get honest for a moment. It's not making you fruitful. But if we got real honest about my faithfulness, Jonah, you were fine when I gave you a second chance. But you don't want me to give Nineveh a second chance. You were fine when I gave you mercy and brought you up out of that prison to the bars of hell. 
but you don't want me to do that for the people of Nineveh. We put it in Enochville like this. That's a double standard somewhere along the way. And how many times when we are angry, we want God to show us mercy and grace and favor, and yet we're unwilling for that same God to show them that mercy, that grace, and that favor. And God loves me just as much as he loves them. God cares for me just like he cares for them. But something takes place on the inside of my heart that I think it's all about me when I'm mad. I'm just going to preach to myself, Tony, because this is how I live sometimes. God, you're so merciful, and I appreciate the mercy, but can you just burn them people up? Huh? And sometimes God has to remind us of his faithfulness. Hey, if I gave you a second chance, isn't it okay if I give them a second chance? If I extended grace, unmerited favor to you, Isn't it okay if I extend it back out to them? And all of a sudden, God is dealing with this man's hot button. How's your fruitfulness there, Jonah? Doest thou well? Hey, Jonah, how about my faithfulness? Can I not be faithful to you and be faithful to them? What's God doing? He's stripping away all the way down to the heart of the matter. See, the heart of the matter in Jonah with his anger, the heart of the matter was an issue in the heart. And a lot of times when we deal with anger in our own life, the heart of the issue is an issue in the heart. God's showing us about, how's that working for you? Now his faithfulness. What else is God doing to disarm his hot button? Notice number three. He's going to talk to him about his focus. Look at verse number nine. Why is Jonah all mad? Well, he's still mad about this thing with Nineveh. But remember God had sent a gourd and gave him some shade. And the Lord then sent a worm that ate the gourd. And what did Jonah do? Now he's pouting over this gourd. He put no work, no effort in this thing. God raised it up, and God sent the worm and destroyed the gourd. And Jonah's over there, I do well to be, I do well to be angry. I mean, can you see, this is a grown man that's pouting. I mean, we're not talking about a five-year-old sitting outside of Nineveh. We're talking about a grown man. That if we got real honest, I believe we could look around the corner of the tree, and we could see him doing Huh? I mean, I can hear that sucking sound all the way to Jerusalem. You say, well, to be angry, Jonah? I do well, even unto death. Why? Because Jonah's focus was on the temporal things. Hey, Jonah, look out there. See, there's 120,000 kids who don't know their right hand from their left. Jonah, this is not about your 
temporal gourd and your temporal relief. This is about eternal souls, Jonah. And Jonah, what would happen if these 120,000 kids grow up in a spirit of revival? What could that do to the city of Nineveh? Jonah, what could happen if I worked on the inside of Nineveh like I'm working on the outside with you? What could happen in their day if that next generation experiences the grace of God and the mercy of God? While you sit over here and you pitch your fit, while you sit back here in anger, Jonah, I'm telling you, I'm going to do a work in the heart of those kids. I'm not done with that generation. And I believe God can do something in our generation if we will get some things out of our life. I believe that God can raise up some preachers. I believe that God can raise up some kids. I believe that God can raise up some homes. And for a hundred years, Nineveh did right because of the ministry and because the revival that God used to the life of Jonah. One hundred years that they lived in the mercy and the grace of God. Let me say this. I'll take a hundred years of God's grace and mercy. Let some kids get raised up in the fire. Let some kids get raised up with a touch. Let some kids get raised up with the power. Don't let me be a hindrance. Don't let me put on the sideline and be a hindrance to a generation that can experience God and can see God and know God and go for God and carry another generation and another generation and another generation. I wonder how many times we have hindered God working in somebody else's life. And he's showing him his focus. While you're over here pouting over temporal things, you're missing out on the eternal things. Amen. And can I tell you something? There are churches tonight who are dead. Because there's people so caught up on their temporal things that they've missed out on the eternal things. They're caught up on their little gourds, their ministry. It's not your ministry, it's his ministry. And if the only ministry that you're involved in is something where you've got to be seen, that's not servant ministry anyway. God's interested. Who's that one that's going to pick up the towel and serve me? And there are so many people who are caught up with their gourds. And if their gourds get eaten, heaven forbid, they will doom a generation over the preciousness of their little gourd. I do not want to be that person to stand before God one day who got so caught up in my little gourd that I failed to see there was a generation that needed him. There was a generation that could experience him. And God was showing, hey, Jonah, Fruitfulness. How's that working for you? My faithfulness. I can be faithful to you, and I can be faithful to them. Jonah, how's your focus? Is it on your gourd, or is it on the lives of others? You know how many people have gotten out of church, and it's affected the next generation? And if you go listen to their stories, it will almost floor you. Why did your family get out of church? There was a special gourd, and it got eaten, and I got mad, and I left.
And we have no idea the damaging effect it did until years down the road. How come they don't have anything to do with God? And you can usually trace it back. There was somebody that lived with some anger and some bitterness in their heart. And just do your head like that. So where's your focus? Boy, when our anger is kicking up, our focus is not external. What happens to our eyes? I do well to be angry. You killed my little gourd, God. That's Jonah. But then, here's the last one. So, I mean, he's stripping everything away. He's disarming him. (laughs) How's your fruitfulness? Look at God's faithfulness. Look at your focus there, Jonah. And then notice this, his feet. Where's Jonah at this time? Outside the city of Nineveh. And as you look at the life of Jonah, this is amazing to me. Because it goes back to his feet. Because I believe in the life of Jonah There was a day when Jonah stopped his anger. Where that was, I have no idea. But I believe there came a point in Jonah's life where he surrendered his anger and he saw God's agenda bigger than his anger. And there came a point somewhere along the way that he said, God, I can't live like this anymore. I need to be fruitful for you. God, I can't live like this anymore. God, these things matter. The next generation matters. God, I can't live like this anymore. It's eating me alive. And God, that's not the way that I want to end. Say, preacher, how do you know that? Because you go to the book of Jonah, it ends with a question mark. And the question is, what happened with Jonah? Well, here's the rest of the story. You know what history tells us? Do you know where Jonah is buried? He is buried, they say he was buried in the center of Nineveh. Well, how in the world did he go from the outside and end up coming back to the center? That's what history tells us. I looked that up. I said, where is it? He's buried in Iran, Persia, which would have been the capital city of Nineveh, right in that area. That's where he's buried. Hmm. There came a place where he surrendered that anger. There came a place where he saw God's agenda. And he saw those people were worth something. Their souls that God died for. They're souls that are at stake. And Jonah got some things right with God. Yeah. Chapter 4, he's mad. I mean, here it is. Mad as a hornet. Yeah. But God begins to strip him, disarm him, to the point I can't live like this anymore. And he's buried in the center of Nineveh. Wow. I wonder what God could do in our life if we got to that point on a Sunday night. God, I'm tired of living with a bitterness in my life.
I'm tired of living in a rage because, Lord, it's not helping me be fruitful. God, it's not helping me to understand your faithfulness. If you've been merciful to me, God, you can be merciful to them. God, it's not helping me in my focus because I've turned my attention inward instead of focusing outward. But God, in my feet, I don't want to be outside of your work. I want to be inside ministering to people. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed tonight. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed tonight. In a moment, we're going to give an invitation. And I wonder on a Sunday night if we just need to find a place at this altar and say, God, I need your help. You know what I've been struggling with? And let's put it down like this. You know who I have been struggling with this week. And maybe tonight we just find a spot at this altar and say, God, I need your help. Disarm that hot button in my life. I don't want that hot button to keep me from being fruitful. I don't want that hot button to blur my vision to your faithfulness. God, I don't want that hot button to cause me to lose focus on the eternal. But Lord, let my feet get back in and serving you. Help me, Lord, to surrender it to you. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for your help tonight, God. And Lord, if we got real honest tonight, and I pray that we will, Lord, we deal with this. This is Monday living. This is Tuesday hard. This is Wednesday at work. And Lord, I pray that you would help us tonight to allow you to work. Maybe that area that we have walled off, guarded, blocked, the area of our hot button. And Lord, as I was looking at the life of John, I wanted to see how it ended. To find out, God, that he was buried in Nineveh. Told me a lot about what you did in his life. And God, if you could do that in the life of Jonah, I believe you could do that in our hearts tonight. I believe you could do it in our situations tonight. And we're trusting and believing that you will. In Jesus' name.